Hello and welcome to the My Hope Story podcast from Hope Community Church Balanok. Stories of hope all about Jesus. Who are we? sinners saved by grace. Right, well, Stephen, how are you? Doing the best. What about yourself? Doing grand. So we are here. Where's the camera I'm looking at? We are here on a holiday this week down in Lockerbie, is that where we are? Yep, close by. And then um, Stephen's one of my mates, and he is, well, we met, you were a pastor from Glasgow in Ards. That's correct. And I was a pastor from Ards, but in Glasgow. Absolute swap. Straight Which is swap. amazing, isn't it? <laughs> um, and I was half his size. No, that, that, <laughs> um, so, yeah, we're going to see a little bit of Stephen's story, but I thought I'd rope him into this as we're on holiday together, which is great. What that does mean is I'm trying to do all the stuff that Reagan usually does and talk and look skinny, none of which is going to work. So don't worry about that. Stephen is also worried about a spot on his face, aren't you? Know, Have you seen massive. this spot? It's humongous. You'll not mess it. You'll not mess it. <laughs> um, all right, so Stephen, the point of these things is we just try and just share the Come My Hope Story podcast. Super. And we just want to talk through how Jesus has broken into some people's lives and yeah. kind of turned them around and given them hope. I am trying to get the 20 Schemes guys to pick these up. And they think they're far too long and boring. So if you can be <laughs> not long and boring, then who knows? They might go worldwide. Oh, but, um, anyway, Stephen, we just want to start by where you grew up, your family, um, cool. how, where did you were born, and all that kind of stuff. So. Yeah, yeah. So um, born in Rutherglen Maternity Hospital in the south side of Glasgow, and grew up in the south side. Um, so from there, loved it. Um, I am the son of a pastor. My dad uh, pastored a church that was in the Delphi School in the Gorbals area of Glasgow. Okay. Uh, moved to the Victoria Road um, of Glasgow. Which, isn't on. that... Did Pete Bell go there back a long time ago? No, that's not the Vicky Hull. No, 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 it's different. different. Okay. No, no. What was the church? Um, Scottish Reformed Church, it was okay. called. Cool. So, yeah. Um, so that, that was my church education. I grew up going to Sunday school there, going to church services. Pastor's kid, front row. Badly behaved, you get dragged out, that kind of thing. So all good. And like, how did you find that? Like, were you was that something that you were enjoying? Like, did you kind of get involved all the Jesus stuff at that stage? Or yeah, I suppose as a kid, you know, um, you go along because you mm. go along. It's your life, isn't it? You know, it's uh, it's just what you do. Um, so I guess I enjoyed it in the sense that you know, it was a communal thing. Yeah. Those people went and you went as well. Um, but I didn't really know anything else, so I, I just went. And brothers, sisters? Yeah, yeah, I'm the youngest. So, um, yeah, I've got two big sisters and a big brother, okay. uh, Angela, Caroline and David. And what's the age gap there? Two years, roughly, between each of us. So, yeah, um, I'm 39, uh, and you can work your way up from that. Yeah, I know, I know. I, I, I know I look older, but... Uh, this, can we zoom in your face here? Look at this tail. Oh, wait, I was too far, right? No, um, but, yeah, so, growing up in Glasgow, then, yeah. you lived Southside, like, mm. pastor in... Vicky, Victoria, so where did you live? Was that yeah. nearby? No, 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 so it was about four miles away, so a nice wee bit, um, place called Netherley, it's okay. kind of between Murend and Netherley, yeah, yeah. it's kind of red sandstone house uh, attached, um, nice wee neighbourhood, mm. you know, uh, you know, space out the back to, to go and run in some trees and plenty of kerbs at the front to play yeah. kerbway, so. And that came with the church though, right? Yeah, was, yeah, yeah. yeah. You were saying the other day even that like, you kind of wouldn't have been able to live there if it wasn't the manse? No, no, no. I mean, you know, um, it was because it was the manse that, that we lived there, absolutely. So it was it was a nice area. Cool. Yeah. And then um, school? So what school did you go to? Netherley Primary, um, on to William Wood High School. So, yeah, yeah. No, again, leafy suburbs, good yeah, wee yeah. spot. Um, so I and how did you get on at primary school? Dead on, yeah, yeah. Um, 
I did well. Did, you know, uh, did you have to bribe the, them for that? Or? Yeah, I guess so. Yeah, probably. <laughs> you know, I sweet talked them or something. But yeah, no, it went well. Um, primary school was a decent experience. You know, um, no no qualms about it. Yeah, it was. I had good pals. We played football an awful lot. That was kind of the central focus. That mm-hmm. and uh, pretending to play for the football team that we adored, and that was it. What what team was that? Well, there only really is one team in Scotland. Motherwell, that. is that what you're no, saying? Definitely not Motherwell. No, no. Uh, Fifty five times the Kings of Scotland. A lot of your life seems revolve around this uh, <laughs> team. Is that that I right? do, do still have a season ticket. That's correct. Yes. <laughs> we'll get on to that. I'm sure. Oh, um, so that was primary school. Then Williamwood, because that was where Pete Bell went to school as well. Yeah, right? yeah, totally. Yeah. But you so, must have been like twenty years ahead of oh, him, I guess. At least, yeah, yeah. I didn't know him. He didn't know me. So yeah, we were. I don't even know if we were at school at the same time. And so as you went into your teens, kind of secondary school and that, would you say you were Christian? Like, would you, obviously you were taught a lot by your family? Like, was that something that was yours at that stage or? Yeah, so that, that, that's kind of um, a complicated uh, thing as it often is, I think, with people who come from Christian backgrounds, but that doesn't excuse, you know, the way the, my life went around that time. But uh, I reckon about the age of seven, I, I came to a real consciousness of sin. Mm-hmm. Um you know, you've got a Bible teaching at home, um, you're going to Sunday school, you understand uh, creation, salvation, you know, hell. Um, all of those things are pretty much, you know, well tuned in. And uh, I remember at the age of seven realising I was a sinner, realising that I deserved God's punishment and that the consequences of that would lead me to hell. Now, folks hear that and they think, a seven-year-old wise up, you know, that's pure indoctrination, you're mm-hmm. mad. But I remember we things like, we had a Safeways near the house, and I remember uh, my brother... Safeways, that is showing your age as well. <laughs> it probably is. It's is that probably, Morrison's thing? I think it is, actually. Yeah, I, I, I remember Safeway. Yeah, you know, it was definitely a Safeway when I was younger, <laughs> but my brother sent me up to get a wee packet of chewing gum when my mum was doing the shopping, but, you know, he didn't send me up with any money. Mm. <laughs> and so being a wee kid, I had to get it, stick it in the pocket, get it home. And it was a double sin because um, we weren't allowed to have chewing gum. My mum hated right. the stuff. <laughs> and so I remember lying underneath the bed, the two of us chewing the stuff. And it was wee things like that's one example. But I knew I was a sinner. Mm-hmm. I knew that the things that were sinful in my life deserved God's punishment. Mm. That had been taught to me, but I really realised that. And I remember uh, asking uh, God to save me. I remember... Uh, this is um, stereotypical, you know, kneeling by my bed with my mother asking for salvation. And I remember even <laughs> over the years between then, what was seven-year-old? That's probably, you know, P3 or something, mm-hmm. P4. That's um, Josh, yeah, maybe P4. So, you know, maybe for three years at least, reading my Bible, um, no. praying, without needing my parents to be there beside me. And, mm-hmm. and I, I was brought up in the King James Version, so reading, you know, quite an old translation, um now, I didn't systematically Did you just go hear that? No. Somewhere, Chris Kerr is celebrating right now <laughs> that you said you're reading the King James Version growing up. Was, yeah, yeah. I can hear uh, that from you. You're 100 miles away from Chris. I can hear it. Anyway, sorry, thank you. Oh, dear. <laughs> uh, there's an angel celebrating somewhere, I'm sure. But no, uh, I uh, read the King James Version, specifically Psalms. Like, I didn't go through Genesis to Revelation. I, I read short Psalms. It was a kid. I picked out the short ones and I read them and near enough memorised them just from reading them over and over. Um, and yeah, that, that was it, you know, that was kind of my personal walk outside of, you know, what I was being taught uh, and other um, things. But um, yeah, high school was coming. I remember my brother saying to me as high school approached, he said, Stephen, he says, yeah, we secret for you. You need, to, you need to keep a wee secret, you promise. I've learned not to make promises until <laughs> I hear what the, the thing is. But uh, I says, I, and uh, he says, I, I smoke. I said, yeah, 
it's a bombshell. <laughs> I know it sounds silly just now, but yeah, know. you know, as a kid, that was like, what? You How know? many years older is well, I say two. You know, the way the birthdays yeah. fall, two, two, nearly three. But uh, so he was a few years above me at school as well. Um, but uh, I was like, that's mental. Um, so that was one wee thing that was going on in the back of my head, you know, accepting, oh, what's high school going to be like? You know, I'm going to see stuff like that. Um, but I also remember uh, something really strange. I know some people might be like, wow, that's amazing. Let's zoom in on that. And other people might be like, that's weird. Mm. Go away from this, but I'll tell you anyway. Uh, I remember um, being in this room, top floor, third floor, of this big house, and uh, having a dream one time, like there was something evil in the room. And whether it was a double dream or whether it was whatever, I don't know. But I remember it seemed like I woke up and it still felt like there was the presence of something evil in the room. And whatever strange logic of a little kid, I remember thinking, if I don't pursue God, I don't need to worry about that. And so there's these things kind of all seeming to go on at once in my head. Um, You know, maybe softening, accepting, you know, things that maybe I wouldn't have accepted but also kind of almost a fear of following God because I felt like there was almost consequences. Mm -hmm. So there's a spiritual battle going on there, I think. And uh, long story short, I stopped reading my Bible. My prayer life just started to wane away. And by the time I got to high school, I was just trying to be one of the lads, you know, whenever folks were going to go and try their first wee smoke Mm -hmm. first year, you know, that. And (coughs) whenever folks fairly soon after that were maybe getting their first wee drink, Mm You know, um, I joined them as well. We get all ran into that same safe ways for us, <laughs> and I managed to get a hold of a bottle or something. So when you were, you did when you were that. Age? Oh, when I was, oh, probably the summer between first and second year at the latest. And so you've always looked old and ugly. That's, that's why, yeah, hard paper <laughs> round and yeah. And so, like, did your mum and dad know that I was no their idea? Oh, it would have broke their hearts yeah. at that stage. I mean, it would absolutely broke their hearts. But um, you know, me and my brother were a wee bit rebellious, and mm. at that point, coy enough to keep it from them. Mm. So at home. Everything seemed fine. You were still oh, able to talk the talk, and especially with me, my brother, I think, was a wee bit more like honest about it. Mm-hmm. Um, I was a wee bit more sleek about it, and you know, I was living a double life. You know, going to church on a Sunday with my wee shirt and tie on, <laughs> uh, and acting all good, but at the same time, you know, my language had just dropped into bad language, um, and I was up to wee bits and pieces mm-hmm. as well. You know, so yeah. So that was through secondary school. Kind of early on, like at what point did you like did it become clear? Do you think that things here are the way they used to be, or that you weren't really walking with the Lord? Well, secondary school just continued. I suppose in a wee way uh, things improved a little bit. You know, a secondary school went through kind of second to maybe third or fourth year because again they cross country running and athletics. So while I was still up to a wee bit of rubbish, mm. you know, I think you know I stopped doing some of the things. Mm. Um, as much mm. but as a kid you're only mucking about with it anyway aren't you so um, but as soon as a footballer injury put out the cross country career <laughs> um, and uh, moving house um, things really started to kind of drift away so what happened was we lived there um, but we ended up um, moving to Fenwick in East Ayrshire right. so my parents found a house where my granny could move into a wee oh. granny flat on the side I must have been about third year or fourth year probably about mm. fourth year um, and I was adamant I was still going to school in Glasgow I was still going to keep my pals in Glasgow So How long was that? Was it a bus or wherever you go? A or? bus, yeah, yeah no, So I had to walk about half a mile I had to cross day 77 <laughs> Yeah, every morning uh, to get to a bus Then a bus about 20, 25 minutes down the road And then I had to walk from there <laughs> to get to school But I was determined I was wanting to do that And so um, I stuck with that But what came with that was um, I was in the BB So mm-hmm. Friday nights went to BB 
And a number of my pals' parents had said, you know, you could stay at our house whenever you come down. And so that opened up the doors, didn't it? So, um, and so at that stage, like, did you know in your head that you weren't following Jesus? Like, did you still kind of believe it? Or where were you kind of at personally with all that stuff? Never stopped believing it. Never, ever, ever stopped believing it. If people... Um, we'll maybe get into later on or maybe not, but uh, as I got older and started to really live a life, um, a sinful life, um, you know, with no church influence or anything at all, um, I would have argued with people, blind drunk, you know, full of whatever, um, telling them that, you know, they shouldn't say that there's no such thing as God and arguing for the creation account and stuff. So, I mean, it was mad, but I never stopped believing it. Cool. So how did life transition to that point then? So that was kind of towards the end of school, you're moving... Yeah, so um, got my results for my um, standard grades. weren't great, you know, I was predicted good grades, didn't get them because I never studied and mm-hmm. was more interested in mucking about. It was the same with hires. I did a few hires, um, you know, they were a bomb scare. Mm-hmm. And after that, I was meant to go on and do a sixth year. Mm-hmm. But when they came in, it was like, you know, why even bother? And so I remember actually saying to my parents at that point, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to go back to high school. I'm not going to go back to this. I'm just going to go and get a job. And they didn't argue. And I was like, oh, wow, power. <laughs> Happy days. I actually will do that then. Yeah. And so I went and got a job. Um, from that, I ended up getting another job. Ended what, up taking, what were you working at? So the first place I worked was in a wee brewer's fair. I worked right. just as a waiter in, uh, in the kitchen. Mm-hmm. I moved into the kitchen. Um, but I got an apprenticeship. So I took on an apprenticeship as an apprentice mechanic. Oh, really? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I did a year. Um, so you should have continued that. Then our friendship could have been, you know, more I know, beneficial. I know. Could have saved myself a fortune as well, but uh, <laughs> it didn't happen. What happened was, around that time, I started to get paid. Um, I was 17. I was getting paid next to nothing. Um, but um, I was living for the weekend, out Friday night, out Saturday night, and I was doing this job. It was shift work, so it was four days on, four days off, 12-hour shifts in the garage, believe mm-hmm. it or not. Um, and that means that you do quite a lot of weekends. Yeah. Which is a nightmare when you were living for the weekend. And were you living at home at this point? Living at home most of the time, staying at my pals an awful lot, but yeah, living at home. Mm-hmm. That was my address, you know, and stuff. Um, but it was around that time, 17, that my mates started to go into Glasgow, go to dancing and stuff. And uh, then they would have started getting involved in, you know, a wee bit more in alcohol. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, I, I just went into have you seen first night in bonkers mm, bouncing bonkers. <laughs> uh, I, I know and that became the place that we went but I went um, dead into that scene so just the, the dance scene and all that went with it and uh, really quickly kind of got so into it that I was into it more than my pals were mm. and I latched on to another group of friends or they invited me into their group um, and uh, they weren't from there I was from they were from a mixture of areas, quite a lot of schemes around Glasgow. And uh, we started going about, and then the weekends really started to become like something. Like yeah. They really just latched onto each other. Very quickly I quit that job as an apprentice mechanic because I was far more interested in living for the weekend. Yeah. And so it would have been, you know, Friday, you know, build up to go out for Friday night, mm-hmm. which involved quite a lot. And then going out on Friday night, and then you would have sustained yourself through the night. And you'd have gone to a wee party somewhere afterwards, just in a flat somewhere in mm-hmm. Glasgow. And then you'd have gone through the night to the next morning. If you went to somebody's house and tried to get a kip, it was hard. Yeah. But you might have got some sleep. And then when you woke up, you were just straight in through for Saturday night. And it was the same right through to Sunday. But that went on. And I mean, I, there was months where I was just f- all the time. Just What age were you at this point? Probably 18, 19. You know, 17, 18. So probably 18, 19. 
And clearly and no church connection. No. no church connection at all. And it just spiralled at that point. I mean, I was, uh, I fell out with my parents at home. I was, you know, badly behaved at home and deserved to be told to leave the house. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I dropped contact with my parents for uh-huh. a while then. Um, and uh, I just lived around, you know, different places. I, I wouldn't have said I was homeless, but because I always, you know, put my head down in a house. Yeah, yeah. Well, almost always. Anytime we didn't, you know, it was just a few of us mucking about, you know, yeah. sleeping on a golf course one night or something. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, no, we, you know, I stayed in Govan in a pal's bird's house for a wee while. He stayed there. I stayed in the sofa and, you know, moved around from pal's house to sleeping in their garage or something sometimes, in all honesty. But, you know, it was just uh, all for the weekend. And did you, like, enjoy life at that point? Like, was this, like... Were you loving the buzz? Was it like something that you were like, yeah, this is what I want to do? Or? I, well, I thought so. Um, I really thought I was a king, you know, because I was running about with a bunch of boys that, you know, I thought were something. And, I mean, they were sound as They were good guys. They were really good to me. Um, but, you know, they were living this kind of crazy life. Most of them not working, most of them making, you know, money, um, you know, in, in other ways. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, I thought that was cool, you know, I don't know, I was just blinded by, you know, thinking it was really, really cool. Yeah. You know, I guess I, I probably thought that you could have made a film about us because we were so brilliant and tragic, but, you know, I, I really did think it was it was dead cool. Um, but didn't realise it was, you know, terrible. Look, I would think there was a, like, was the your conscience playing up at that point? Like, was there, like, I don't know, you are kind of say yeah. you think you, you were saved, so was the spirit, like, convicting you of that, or were you just... Yeah, this is, that all down. this is this is an interesting part. So I mean, somebody listening to this will probably have their own judgment on whether I was saved or not. Um, God kept on just dropping me things in. So like maybe something would happen. You know, you know what it's like when you're running about with a bunch of boys and you know you're going out at the weekends. Mm-hmm. Stuff happens, and I remember, you know, maybe one night stuff kicked off and the folks who it all kicked off with knew me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And so even though I'd not been involved, I was I was actually the one trying to split it all up. <laughs> but it was like, you know, we want uh, we want to get a hold of him. And I remember thinking, I- I'm getting it here. In fact, I heard through a number of different sources, I was the one that was going to get end it. And it was like, oh, no. You know, I remember being at the bus stop. By this time, or during this wee spell, I was going back home. Mm-hmm. I remember sitting at a bus stop somewhere, with my ranger scarf up over my nose and a hat down over my eyes like a ninja. And I was but you probably looked like a lot of people in the West of Scotland at that point. I well. probably <laughs> so, but I was sitting at the bus stop just like that, so that like if anybody drove past, I wouldn't be seen. And so there's this fear in my heart. Mm. And what's mad is at this point, so see these Psalms that I used to read, mm. like Psalm 70, make haste to help me, oh God, make haste to deliver me. Uh, you know, for enemies are risen up against me. You know, and all these things are. Like, I'm praying them, mm. I, I, verbatim. You know, I was, I was, you know, totally remembering these things that had been in my childhood. And things worked out. But unfortunately, just the way that things were with me, I still had the weekend as my priority. God was not my God. You know, the weekend was my God, I think, at that point. It was a false God. And uh, I was living for some satisfaction, which, by the way, never matched the early satisfactions, yeah. the early highs. I was always chasing after something. You always need more. Yeah, no, totally. And So it was just a cycle of that. that those types of things kept on happening. Mm. So what was it like, kind of, we went to so we are 
focus in the West of Scotland 20 schemes for the next number of years and mm. I've spoken to a few different guys that have kind of grown up in Glasgow and the West and obviously Glasgow had a bit of a notorious reputation back in the day like, even when you were yeah. like kicking about like with knife crime yeah. like kind of gang violence a lot of that stuff was that something that you would have kind of drawn into like did you see some of that firsthand or yeah. what was that so, so I mean the, the nightclubs were bouncing that kind of stuff mm. I mean there's always people getting glassed and stabbed and stuff um Afterwards, there was always a Barney, you know, folks outside um, that club I mentioned before um, would have always met other people afterwards and there was knives getting, yeah. you know, passed from one person to another and so there was, there was an awful lot of knife crime, yeah. Um, I remember some of the boys that would have come up who, who I knew, mm-hmm. um, but, you know, didn't run about with, but I knew them and they knew me. Um, they were just always running about the town, just, you know, gang fights and, yeah. you know, up to all that kind of stuff. But, I mean... I, I don't want to paint myself wrong by saying this, but I always would have thought I was the kind of peacemaker, nice yeah. guy in a, you know, fun crowd. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I was a sinner and living a sin for life. Um, so It's I funny because I can imagine you, like, Josh, earlier on, when we were leaving the restaurant room, said, Stephen's really nice, isn't he? He, like, compliments everybody you see. And I'm like, he's really just bamming fuck up, George. <laughs> but, like, I can imagine you like that as well, even in the midst of all that. Like, you must have been the kind of connecting guy that was, like, trying to, yeah. like... That is it. I mean, I've always seen myself like that, just trying to, you know, get people together, mm-hmm. you know. But uh, it's horrible when it works the other way, isn't it? You know, and people end up, you know, fighting with each other. So how long did that kind of lifestyle go on for? Like, did it, did it spiral more after that? Or So, I mean, as I say, it went through different, um, you know, highs and lows. Uh, after a while, um, probably when I was about 20-ish, so this has been going on for three or four years, let's say, um, you know, in a serious kind of sense. Mm-hmm. And uh, I ended up trying to relink with my old pals. I, I needed some sort of peace, normality, and so... Um, I was trying to get away from the kind of mentalness of it all and I ended up running about with some of my old pals um, and yeah, uh, yeah just, things kept on happening you know so it was just like it, it, it lacked peace life at that point lacked peace but I remembered the peace of Jesus mm-hmm. and I remembered even places that I'd been grown up so my, my parents would have gone to a holiday Bible conference some years um, down in England and so uh, I remember just how safe it felt. Yeah. And so I said to him that year, I says, um, can I come along? And I, I went. <laughs> and it was like, you know, a solace. It was just so peaceful. Um, and I remember at that time really just feeling under conviction and even praying mm-hmm. just that, that God would start working in my life. And mm-hmm. I remember I had cigarettes, you know, I, I got rid of them. I didn't decide at this point I was going to try and smoke the last ones and then get rid of them afterwards. Was like, they're gone. I'm going to stop it. Mm-hmm. I'm turning over a new leaf, you know. And I, and I really had prayed that God would work in my life. So I don't know what you would call that um, because of what I'm about to tell you. Because I got home, determined that this was something new. Um, and your mum and dad must have been hopeful at that point as well because they, they must have seen your life kind of... Oh. Spiral and must have done them the way they I mean, they must have worn out the carpet with their <laughs> knees, like, I mean, totally. Th- this, uh, you said been... your brother was kind of well, involved he, in that. He, well. he didn't even, you know, come to God until later, so you know, they, they were tormented. But, uh, I, um, I got home from that really thinking, you know, something's at work here. Mm-hmm. I remember getting home and uh, the phone rang, yeah, and um, it's my best pal, so phone gets passed to me, you know, back in those walkabout phones <laughs> in the house, like early mobiles. 
and uh, I went through went through to my dad's study, clear as day, remember, just chatting to him for honestly twenty minutes, and that would have been seen as wrong. Yeah, you know, two guys talking for twenty minutes—that's <laughs> all about. Uh, you know, it's normally two minutes. What you doing? Meet you there? Blah blah blah. Um, but we talked about loads of stuff, and I'd said, listen, I'm not going to be doing this anymore. I'm not going to be doing that anymore. I'm not going to be doing this. Things that really I did need to, you know, stop doing. It wasn't just some legalistic, you know, changing of the guard. Yeah. Um, and he's like, yeah, all right, cool. Um, what are we going to do? <laughs> and so he was on board. And I was like, yeah, I don't know, like go camping or something. <laughs> you know, I don't know, up the West Island way. And he's like, yeah, fine. That was mental, you know, because he was totally on board. This is a guy I'd been like best pals with, he'd grown up and obviously hadn't spent as much time during the mad years, but yeah. still kept con- uh, contact with. And then reconnected and you know all he wanted was just to you know stay together as pals and do stuff and but I went off that phone and I thought I didn't say anything about Jesus I didn't say that God's worked in my life and I thought I need to you know get that right because if there's something going on here I need to I need to tell people about it and so I went to work on the Monday right which was a harder environment really when you think about it and I said to him I'm a Christian now and they were like yeah I you know, I, I'm a Christian, and what does that mean? Is it that, you know, well, I, I've asked Jesus to, to forgive me for my sins, and I want to, you know, walk with him, so I'm not going to do this and that. And so straight after work, they're like, ah, you know, come on, we'll do this, come on, we'll do that. Stuff that isn't necessarily wrong, but I wanted to draw a line, yeah, and yeah. I was like, no, I'm not doing it. And, um, funny, the Tuesday when I got home, um, went to bed, my dad chapped the door. He said, like, ah, Stephen, I've got, I've got something I need to tell you. Is it? He says, uh, your pal John's been in a car crash. He's dead. Was that your best mate? Your best mate, yeah. The one you were on the phone to? The one I was on the phone to. And I never got a chance to say anything to him. So um, that, by the way, is one of the you know things in my heart that makes me always want to tell people about Jesus because, well, we've got to trust in the, the sovereignty of God, but that's not an excuse either, isn't it? Not so... Um, yeah, that, that was heavy. And after that, this is where I said it kind of goes a bit pear-shaped again because, you know, met the mates after, went down, few of the closest ones got together and, nah, 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 I'm not going to this and that. And then as the day went on, I was razzled. And uh, it was just the start of another wee spell of just, you know, not living as a Christian at all. Um, which again ended up in a horrible scenario where bad stuff happened. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it was like what is going on in my life every time I try and live against God mm. you know he comes with <laughs> he comes with his rod <laughs> doesn't the Bible say he uses his rod sparingly but it was like he used it for discipline mm. and uh, I uh, I ended up getting back in line I, I, I say God came you know brought me back kicking and screaming mm. you know it wasn't a kind of lovely little Disney romance story where I just you know was wooed straight there it was I, I do believe something happened as a kid and God gave me enough length to, to go for a distance and then he brought me back kicking and screaming. And uh, I remember one morning waking up, not remembering anything that happened, retracing steps, and it was like more and more of a day as the time went on as I found out everything that happened. Mm-hmm. And it was just a point of like, I need to stop doing this. And, you know, the peace of God, the love of the Lord Jesus, the forgiveness, you know, the cost of the cross, all of these things all coming around mm-hmm. versus my life of absolute rebellion. And it, it was an absolute, I give in. Mm-hmm. I, I'm stopping it. I'm stopping living for myself. It's empty. It's hollow. It always leads to nowhere. 
and and <coughs> Jesus. And it was around that time actually that I moved over to Northern Ireland, um, where I knew some folks who were Christians. I thought I need a clean break, you know, mm. a bit of good company around me to try and help me get on the straight and narrow. And um, that's what happened. What's that poem, The Hound of Heaven? You ever heard that? I've heard of it. I don't know if I could. Yeah, I can't remember. It's just the idea of like God, like we think that we are like, you know, running away, rebelling and no hope. And yet God is just running and mm. pulling us back. Like that kind of hound of heaven. He's, he's mm. come out, like, That's my experience. I mean, it totally is. It's, it's all been of God just coming for me. And yeah, glory to him. So you got to Northern Ireland, which is weird because probably, what, what year was that? 2004. Okay, so I moved over to Scotland a wee bit by then. Yeah. Um, so how did that come out? Because your dad's from Northern yeah. Ireland, well, right? Well, that, that, that links it in. So um, I would have gone over to Northern Ireland in the summer, sometimes mm. more for, you know, the summer activities. <laughs> well, what do you mean by that, Stephen? <laughs> Northern Ireland. A couple Ireland. of flutes and things, yeah. right? <laughs> well, it shares the same colour scheme as France, but it has uh, a bit of a different celebration than the uh, Bastille Day. Um, the day before it. Remember Chris? Well, Chris is also getting excited by that, actually. Yeah, <laughs> I can hear every. <laughs> Oh dear, dear, dear. So I, and I was into all that just, you know, with the Rangers connections and stuff and I loved uh, all the bands and the flags and uh, all that kind of stuff. I, I know I was into it, but uh, I moved over there with Christian friends and I, I got involved in a church, um, which is great. I ended up moving to the area that my grandparents came from. So yeah, the Donegal Road, Donegal Road, um, probably a better known location is Sandy Road, just a few hundred metres down the road. Um, and uh, lived there. Brilliant, absolutely loved it. Went to a wee local church there, uh, went along. Um, after a wee while, you know, uh, I got asked to give a testimony by a guy and I told him my story, real raw. Um, and, uh, you know, wee things like that would pop up from time to time. And then I got asked to become a Sunday school teacher. And so, by this point, you were right back walking with the Lord again. Like, like as in, totally, just as in, as much as I um, pursued the weekend and more. I wanted Jesus yeah. and I wanted to live for him and I couldn't get enough of church church related events, the Bible, um, you know, not so much at that point reading books about the Bible, but just Bible, Bible, you know, Jesus, prayer life, you know. And was it the free peace right at that point? It was, yeah, so, so I lived in uh, Donegal Avenue and the Tyndale Free Presbyterian Church was on Donegal Avenue, yeah, yeah. just down at the wee bridge next to Windsor Park. Yeah, I was going to say. So I know I went there and... Uh, did you, why did you... I thought as a Rangers fan you should be, you know, Linfield should be your team, but... I know, I know, obviously, um, I like Linfield and I have a soft spot for them, but living in Newton Ards now, yeah, well. my Northern Irish team is Newton Ards, you know, you want to support your local team, don't you? So, Aye, so you live down Donegal Avenue? Yeah, Donegal Avenue, um, went to the wee church there, and then, th this is mad, my grandparents uh, taught Sunday school, and Daddy Duff, Alderman Duff, or Councillor Duff's mm -hmm. Hall, um, he was in the Belfast City Council, but mm -hmm. a Christian, uh, in Sandy Row. That then became a free Presbyterian church. Okay. Yeah, um, he gave the hall over um, to the big man um, mm -hmm. with the promise that it would keep on being used as a gospel venue, a gospel location, mm -hmm. a place where uh, the Bible would keep on being taught. And so it became a free P church. And uh, I taught in the exact same location that my grandparents taught Sunday school. I taught Sunday school. Awesome. Uh, so it was really cool, you know, like a few generations down, still teaching Jesus to boys and girls in that same location. And did you still have family at that point nearby in like in Belfast? Or? So my gran and grandpa still lived in Grey Abbey. Okay. Yeah, so just past Newton Arts. Yeah, yeah. Um so yeah, they were there. Um they loved it that we'd moved over there. Mm -hmm. Um and that, you know, I was doing this, you know, uh, teaching where they were. Yeah, yeah. But Sunday school teaching led into like youth opportunities, you know, maybe taking a youth meeting which is a bit more of a serious level. Mm -hmm. 
and even um, preaching, mm-hmm. uh, you know, from time to time. In the, this is a kind of two-year-old Christian, if you want to call it that, or, yeah. you know, back to faith. Um, but, uh, so yeah, you know, sermons that kind of had a bit of mm-hmm. Matthew Henry and a yeah. tiny bit of Stephen. <laughs> and then soon realised, actually, I need to, like, <laughs> write my own sermons here. Uh, but, yeah... Uh, it was an evolution, but yeah, no, I started to get involved in me things like that. But I just wanted to be a good Christian, you know. I wanted to, you know, in the gym where I worked and in uh, the places that I went to, to be able to communicate Jesus. Well, that's like one of the things that it's just obvious when you meet you is that you're like all in for whatever you're doing at any given time. So I can imagine that kind of like switch all in for all this stuff at the weekend. But then when the Lord brings you back, mm. like, I mean, you can see him today, yeah. all in for Jesus. Like, mm-hmm. where were you working at that point? Did you get a job over here, just secular kind of stuff, or what? Yeah. Remember I said about the cross-country? Yeah, yeah. You know, so I was always into the fitness side of things. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, so a job came up as a salesperson, and it was in a gym. So, you know, mm-hmm. so you're basically selling gym memberships, but uh, I proved myself as a salesperson. I guess you, know, you must be, like, the most salesy salesperson I've met, so that makes a lot of sense. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, uh, I, I'd a wee bent towards sales, yeah. and uh, with the fitness angle, um, it worked, really, really worked. Um, and, uh, yeah, I progressed through that, you know, sales, sales management, um, flitted around, ended up in uh, general management, mm-hmm. so I managed the health and fitness club, mm-hmm. which essentially was managing the sales department and all of the other stuff, but yeah, yeah. there was other people who could do those bits of admin stuff and meant I could focus the guys on sales, which yeah. led to becoming a regional sales um, trainer as well. Um, and so, you're yeah, pretty successful all that, weren't you? We weren't really good, yeah, yeah. And, and the company were really good, which was an encouragement, you know. If you want people to work well, you know, encourage them or reward them. Yeah. And uh, they gave good prizes if you did well, so you kind of kept on at it and, yeah, yeah get a good pat on the back whenever you did well. And then, so what about marriage and stuff? Like, how did that, like, so what age were you when you moved to Belfast? Like? Okay, so we'll step back again. So, what, I was probably 20, 21. Um, okay. 21. Um, so, I'd known Lydia since I was a kid. That holiday Bible conference that we'd have gone to, we went from Glasgow. Mm-hmm. She came across from Northern Ireland. Okay. And so I got to know her. Um, now, she was a shy wee girl, right? Yeah. So day one of five days at this conference, hi, hi. You know, that progressed maybe to hi and how are you by day two. <laughs> but, uh, you know, by day four or five... You You'd broken her down. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> You got a conversation at her, and then like the next time you saw her, it was back to square one again. Yeah. But when I moved over to Northern Ireland, um, the church she went to, she went to Martyrs Memorial. Uh, the ones I went to, so I went to Tyndale, but helped at Sandy Row. Mm-hmm. Um, they were under the umbrella of the Martyrs. They'd okay. been planted uh, by the Martyrs, mm-hmm. and so or, or were kind of worked by the Martyrs. Yeah. Um, and so uh, we came to be part of the same youth group, um, and. Like we just became good friends. We, we we ran about in a group of people, um, you know, about 30 of us, you know, we hung about everywhere all the time. They'd have been around at my house getting Chinese in and <laughs> having a bit of crack. And I liked her, but it was, we, we were just pals. But I mm. uh, tell you this, I remember, I remember all of them being around one night and just sitting there randomly, you know, how you sat there in a kind of C shape in the sofa as I was in <laughs> one of the armchairs, she's in the sofa, stuck my feet up on her leg. <laughs> you know, you fully expect her to like push her feet off and go get out of my face. She kept them there. She said, oh, I think she might be into me. And so what I did was, in case I ruined it all, because like her family and my family had been friends all these years, I said, you want to come to my prayer meeting on Tuesday night? There you go, You know, if she'd have said no, it wouldn't have been bad, would it? But she said aye and the rest yesterday. Um, and uh, yeah, we started going out. I think uh, we got engaged after nine months. 
a wee bit longer than you guys take. <laughs> but um, nine months and a year and a half later, we get married. So 2007, 7th of the 7th, 2007, we get married. Um, which is and what did she think about the whole, like, rebel years, you want to call it that? Because like, that's obviously... Yeah. Like, not, I'm sure she doesn't have that story, but no, she doesn't. But I mean, she took it in her stride. It's yeah. just you know, it's part of my story. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's never phased. She's pretty chilled, you know that. Yeah, like yeah. I mean, she's pretty chilled. Um, what happened with us happened, and mm-hmm. it was so natural, and it just it was right and real, and awesome. yeah, I don't think it bothers her that much. So, so they married at what twenty four? I was twenty four. She was twenty one. Mm-hmm. So yeah, and then your kids pretty early on. Yeah, yeah, so we waited a year, and then, um, so Caleb was born kind of two years after we got married, um, Calvin a couple of years after that, ended up in Bible college, so we left it everywhere, and then had Amelia <laughs> about five years after that again, I think. That's so, awesome. Yeah. Calvin's a good name. Yeah, yeah, oh, absolutely. <laughs> uh, Calvin and Hobbes, and uh, John Calvin. Oh, yeah. So a good wee mixture there, you know. <laughs> uh, is it not Luther, or Caleb's name, is that not where you're going he, he, He's Caleb John, so I suppose we could go for, like, um, John... I don't know which one. Pick John Owen. John Owen, yeah. Yeah, he moves like a whale. Um, <laughs> he's a legend, though. Uh, so, John um, Knox, let's go for go, John Knox, Knox, yeah. So, Heidi Nerf, you just mentioned there a bit about ministry. You told us about going back to Belfast, coming to Belfast, gym stuff, marriage, kids. Yeah. Where on earth did ministry come from? That's a bit of like a left field there. Yeah, yeah okay, cool. So, um, I guess sales is communication, isn't it? Yeah. You know, so it's. Uh, communicating a message to people mm-hmm. and convincing them to buy it. Gospel ministry is the opposite in a sense. It is communication, but you cannot like force convince anyone. Mm-hmm. And so it's so similar in a way and so completely different. It's unbelievable. Mm-hmm. Um, because like you can, in sales, work with body language, you can mm-hmm. take information. It sounds bad, but you can kind of almost manipulate in sales, yeah, can't you? You know, you, you, you're selling a product you believe in, so you don't mind selling it, but you know, you convince somebody to take it and sign up to a direct debit. Mm-hmm. Salvation's not like that at all. It's a work of God's grace in a person's heart. So you present the message. Mm-hmm. Yes, you persuade in the gospel, of course, but you know, you cannot twist somebody's arm up their back and Christianize them. Mm-hmm. And so, although yeah. unfortunately, a lot of people have over the oh, years tried that. Of course, right? yeah. I mean, well, some people's theology lends mm-hmm. that, doesn't it? But not, not. Uh, but we believe not what the Bible teaches. Um, but uh, so anyway, um, I was involved in Sunday school teaching. I was involved in youth ministry. I wanted to be a better teacher, so I applied to the Highland Theological College. Oh, okay, over here. Yeah, uh, yeah and I, I did an access course. So they basically said you're not smart enough to do a degree course. They're very we'll clever, those guys. Actually, very perceptive. <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> but do you know what? The access course was phenomenal. Mm. Like it was really, really good, um, and it was such a good foundation. Um, now, whenever. I finished that, I wondered, you know, am I going to go and do something here? God, what do you want from me? You know, I've, I've finished my access level course. And uh, I ended up um, getting the manager's job um, in the gym at that stage, general manager, right. um, which was not what I was anticipating, yeah, but yeah. it was so formative mm-hmm. in the skills that it taught me yeah. um, for working with people. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I did that for a couple of years. It was going really well. I enjoyed it. Um, but at the same time, God was really just resting in my heart. Um, that there was something more. And so I spoke to my pastor. He, he said to me, by this point, by the way, we've gone to the Baptist Church in Newton Arts, our local Baptist okay. Church. Um, I said to him, listen, I'm feeling a sense of kind of urgency here. Um, you know, I feel like I need to go and learn more. Mm. And uh, he says, well, we see a gift and ability in you for teaching. And, you know, 
Irish Baptist College would, you know, be a sensible step. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he got the elders to come and speak to him. It was really well worked. Own church, spoke to pastor. Elders came and they thoroughly agreed. They felt that they saw the gifts and abilities in me. And they actually called the Baptist College and says, listen, we've got a guy here. That's good. Um, yeah, no, it was perfect. So, um, when did the stuff that you need to do, you know, your interview and your assessments and stuff. And I got in um, to do the course there at Irish Baptist College starting in 2014. Wow. So 10 years after. Um, and at this point you were still at Ards? Still at Ards uh, Baptist, yeah. Yeah, Ards Baptist Church. You'd lived in Ards now at yeah. that point? we moved to Ards in 2006. I'd been at Ards Baptist. Uh, we didn't move to Ards Baptist till about 2013-ish. Okay. So we were only a year there, which was a bit embarrassing because I said, you know, we're coming here, I'm not asking for the church to give me any money or anything. I'm just, you know, if, if this is something that you see, then at least, you know, let's talk about it. And, you know, I need your blessing yeah. if I'm going to go and do something like this. And that's the way it worked. Which again is funny because that's right at the same time I was just bending down in Berlarick. Um, oh. Like I moved, started working in Berlarick in Glasgow 2009. But then we kind of started thinking about planting mm. 2014, 2015. So... Again, it's just funny how God does that. Like, totally. it's weird. Our stories are so connected. It's weird. It is really, really weird. Um, yeah, it's awesome. So it wasn't long being at Bible College, being at Ards, before there was a ministry opportunity at Ards yeah. as well. How'd that come that, that was massive, right? So and a, a complete, you know, sideswipe. Mm. Didn't expect it. Um, so in first year at Bible College, um, you were in these wee groups. You got broken up into groups and you, you prayed together, which is good. It's one of the better things about um, Bible College, these wee kind of mm. connection groups. And um, but what I noticed in first year really quickly was that the third years were panicking, so like all of their prayers surrounded what's going to happen next, and you can yeah. understand that. But it was also like I don't want to be like that. Yeah. You know, God's led me this far, and I don't want to panic about what's next. But by the end of first year, I was kind of like, God, you know, what what's next? <laughs> you know, and, and you I had like two young kids at the point, like yeah, yeah, and you know, I I totally trusted that if God had brought me this far mm-hmm. and by the way like the provisions he made to get us through Bible college mm-hmm. were just amazing so there was no doubt God was in it no doubt but I was starting to think what even type of ministry do you want me to do because I think Lydia and I were more thinking we'd end up going somewhere more like missionary type okay. um, work rather than pastor like overseas ministry. somewhere anyway oh I totally but yeah um, went on our uh, honeymoon to France, the graveyard of missionaries, and we kind of thought we'd go there. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, it was just, we didn't know where else to think because mm-hmm. we hadn't really been many other places. Um, by the way, under Calvin, once like the epicentre of Protestant Christianity, France, what about a thousand churches? Under Calvin, mm-hmm. now like a pure graveyard. Um, but uh, no, so th- those things were swimming about our head mm-hmm. and um, yeah, didn't know. Uh, and then the elders mm-hmm. approached me. And they said, um, you know, we're thinking about you for hours. And remember, I'm only at the end of my first year. It's two more years to go. And I was like, oh. And they not have a pastor at that point then? Well, they did. But he was coming to the end of his ministry. Was it at the end of first year? Yeah. So that would mean that it would be like a year's gap, I think. I can oh, remember. Okay. There were certainly at least months of a gap yeah, yeah, yeah. between him retiring and me coming in. But um, he would finish and there would be a gap before I started yeah. of some distance. Um, and so it was a, like... What on earth? You know, it was the last thing I thought about. And I discussed it with confidants, people I knew, people who were godly advisors. I prayed about it. And uh, after, you know, a lot of good consultation with good people and also, you know, praying it through and 
you know, mm. feeling God's leading. You know, we, we, I said yes, but when I say I said yes, you know, we said yes in the sense that it yeah. affects us all, doesn't it? So um, that meant that going into second year, I had a ministry, you know, <laughs> to go to at the end of second year. Um, yeah, so, you know, by the start of third year, um, I was a full, or no, I was a part-time pastor, full-time student. So preaching, like, still a couple of times a week? No, not at that stage, you know, I was preaching every now and again at that stage, so okay. I was trying to work it around Essie, so I was preaching, okay. but not all the time. And then doing pastoral work in ours as well? Yeah, yeah, to a small degree, yeah, yeah, so. And then, so, Bible college, was that three years? Three years, so at the end of third year, then it was full-time into full-time, the, yeah, yeah, nice. the work there. So, and how was that, like? Pastor in the first church was that it was tough because you come off the back of doing um, this is still a problem for me I reckon um, but you come off the back of an academic course right where you're spending countless hours preparing essays and you really want to do your best and then you're preaching sermons and it was a three sermon a week kind of church um, now the chat was that that wouldn't continue to be the case but long term it kind of did end up being the case and like three sermons a week for you is intense right do you take that seriously because like, you were saying about the that's the point I'm making you know the amount of effort I would put into a sermon, um, I mean, it was too much. How to long were you fit. thinking for it? Well, a morning sermon, we've talked about this before, yeah. I mean, I'd have been putting in about 20 hours for a morning sermon, treating it like, you know, a pretty decent level essay. Mm-hmm. Um, and then what do you leave for your next sermon? You know, your evening sermon, maybe 10, 12 hours, and then you've got your Tuesday night, <laughs> you know, four or five hours, and then you've got everything else on top of that. So by the time you've started doing anything else, mm-hmm. you've maybe got a 40-hour week yeah, under you. And it, to my detriment, other people would maybe say, we well, should have done less, but yeah. maybe I'm a bit of a perfectionist. Yeah. You know, I, I wanted to do as best I could because you're handling God's word and, you know, we're to rightly divide the word of truth. And, and I get it's that thing that you're just all in for whatever you're doing, right? And so totally. that's what it is. And you want to do a good job. You know, you want to make sure that, you know, when you step down, you've preached the passage right. And when you're doing exegetical ministry, you know, you're a slave to the word. And did you? you see fruit from that ministry then? Like as the, you were preaching the word consistently over those early years, were people coming, people coming to know the Lord, church changing? Like Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, I, I wish I could say it was like some sort of Great Awakening, Jonathan Edwards style, but, you know, there were new people coming. So the, the church was um, 75% over 65. Okay. Part of the reason why they came to me was I was a younger guy uh-huh. and they saw potential for maybe the church growing yeah. and uh, amongst younger people. Um and that, that happened, you know, there were more families coming, but like so much of church work, a lot of the ones that were coming, were coming maybe either moving to the area or transferring from somewhere to the church, which isn't extremely healthy, but um, it saw as some sort of a platform to build ministry opportunities or, you know, um, fill gaps that needed filled within the church. Um, and there were others, yeah, who were coming along, you know, um, who couldn't say that they were Christians and... Yeah, and, you know, now are followers of Jesus, so. That's awesome. Yeah. So then, ministry continued, like, actually, I when I got to know you, there was kind of some struggles alongside that you were going yeah. through ministry, so, so what, like, how did that so, so the aim was um, to supplement what I was doing with someone else so that I wasn't doing three times a week, and we, we did different things to try and make that happen, but it seemed like whatever happened... Um, you know, there was other responsibilities came in that, that plugged the time. Because what so, your vision was for you to maybe do Sunday morning and then be out reaching yeah, people yeah. and discipling people. Which is totally who I am, mm-hmm. right? And so I think you can't really be putting square pegs in a round hole for yeah, a long-term yeah. basis. It might hold for a while. But um, anyone who knows my personality knows that 
I'm an outy kind of person. Does that just hold people person for the, even the sales stuff, isn't it? Like, oh, you like being around people, the energy, and you're you're good. Like, yeah, even Josh saying you're just like cold at people, but it's because you're you like getting alongside people, like the real people. It's just who God's made me, you yeah, know. Definitely. So it's like, uh, like, and it kind of goes back to John a bit as well. I think you know, since not telling him about Jesus, uh-huh. I want to tell non-Christian people about Jesus. Yeah, and so that's so close to my heart that it just bubbles over. Yeah, and so I was wanting to do, yeah, preach on a Sunday morning and maybe do more Christianity Explored type, yeah, yeah, you know. Yeah. A teaching ministry, I believe that's still worthy yeah, of a wage, ministry, you know, it's yeah, yeah. Bible ministry, but um, more in the community. Yeah. And at the same time, I was wanting to maybe bring somebody with me yeah. and the train them up yeah. so that they could then take those types of group, Christianity Explored or the yeah. like groups, let them maybe take somebody with them, me take somebody and, and grow that type of thing. Yeah, but yeah. it wasn't where the vision of the church was going. Yeah. There was no fallout, um, but... Uh, I took a step in a different direction so that that church could continue to go the way that it seemed that um, not not so much the churches should take that back, the leadership yeah. wanted to go. Um, but that was equally hard for you because it came alongside a lot of you pouring yourself out, doing 30, 40 hours a week in sermons and all that. And yeah. like, there's a time of exhaustion, I guess you could call it as well. Absolutely, like, yeah, sorry. So yeah, tapping into that. So uh, there came a time um, that I was just... I wasn't. I loved the gym. You know, you you were talking about size there, and you were. Um, we went out for a run this morning. Pete and I. It was good. Fun. I don't know if it was a run. Yeah. For a I was trying to slow him down. He was trying to kill me. Basically, this was. But, uh, I know. I love my fitness, and uh, that just went to the side. I didn't feel like I had time for that. And even fun. You need to have fun. You need to to be able to go out and just have pure chilled out, relaxed time, and stuff like that was just getting moved to the side. And so it was like a really bad cycle. Um, I felt like it was just work. Mm. Even family time was suffering. Mm. You know, it came to a point, you know, even when I was off, church stuff was landing into the inbox all the time. And so you just couldn't escape it. And uh, I, I spoke to the doctor at that point and I says, listen, you know, I'm struggling a wee bit with this. And she says, as doctors do, take a wee bit of this. I'll help you out kind of thing. And so I did for a wee while. And I spoke to the elders then and I says, listen, this is what's happened going to be alright but you know I need you to know um, but you know the way it goes church work's busy uh, it ended up just getting mega busy again mm-hmm. um, and worse probably um, sadly which uh, point I spoke to a pastor mm-hmm. going to have to take a wee step back again <laughs> when I started uh, when, it, when this guy found out there's a, a really good Baptist pastor um, and uh, he told me early on in my ministry, that he'd had a breakdown. Mm-hmm. And he says, watch out for it. Mm-hmm. He says, it, you know, the pressures are high and, you know, just watch out for it and speak to me if you're ever struggling. Mm-hmm. And so, like, I'd meet him at other times and he'd say it again and I was like, oh, you know, what are you talking about? <laughs> I'm going to be all right, you know, I'm yeah. strong enough here. Yeah. Um, little did I know that I would need his help. And I actually spoke to him um, when I was struggling the second time. Mm-hmm. And he says, mate, speak to the doctor. He says, you're going to burn yourself out. And he says, get time off. And what you need to do is deal with the situation that you're working with. And when you get that levelled out, then it can work. Mm. Such good advice. Uh, put my hand up. I said I was struggling. I got the time off. We started to work through it. Um, another brilliant guy. Uh, so the first guy, Billy Houston. Thank you, Billy. Um, second guy, Freddie McLaughlin, came alongside me. Legend of a guy. Absolute legend. And he helped just work through things with me and talked together with me and the, the yeah, leaders sure. and... We really just came to a point where I think I realised 
this isn't for me. That this type of pastoral ministry is not for me because I'm just going to end up in the same cycle again and again. I guess uh, that was hard in the family as well. Like like Lydia, I mean Lydia's chilled as right, oh, man. but I mean it must take its toll. Like, I'm sure if you're struggling and and there was other issues going on at the same time. Like we knocked down our house and mm. rebuilt, so we're living in a caravan at this point as well. Um, so that didn't feel like a pressure to me at the time, but it probably was. Yeah. So that all of this stuff's going on at the one time, and uh, you know, I feel for her. She she's never complained about sure. it, never made a deal about it. You know, I think's been pretty brilliant through it all. But um, yeah, uh, what what a woman. And like, so whenever you resigned, yeah, like what was going through your head at that point? Were you like pretty content to the Lord's will? Were you, oh, I'm a field here, what's going on? Like, what was, no. what was it wrestling, or was it just peace? It, it got to the point I knew it was the right thing without going into all ins and outs. Um, I uh, I came to a point where I realised that I wasn't on the same page, yeah. and uh, it was the right thing to um, take that step. And, yeah, um, I had to consider what the, what the future might look like. Um, you know, I was with you for a weekend, and, you know, we even talked about maybe church planting mm-hmm. um, but I really think that that needs to have a legitimacy you need to be sent by a church and uh, as we worked that through I really felt no that's not the right thing to do you can't just go and start a church that's not the way God orders things I remember even back then I encouraged you to even think about the church you're at now mm. um, and it's been great right? so you went to the church in Bagger Hamilton Road yeah. um, who we've been 20 schemes been over there like really mm. good guys Fantastic. and that, they'd be great for you right Unbelievable. I didn't realise how much I needed them. Yeah. Um, but see, to go to a place where you're getting fed, where you're getting discipleship, encouragement, you know, where Lydia's getting that as well. Yeah, she's yeah. not just a pastor's wife, uh-huh. you know, who's meant to know stuff, but she's able to get alongside people and, you know, be a Christian with yeah, them, yeah. you know, do life. Um, it's been great for the kids, I think, uh, despite the fact lockdown slowed down things a wee bit, but now that things are back up and running, mm-hmm. it's been brilliant for them. And so we just feel loved and we become part of a home group, which is something I would have loved at Arns, but didn't ever happen. Um, and just building relationships with people uh, through home group has just been so good, man. It's been absolutely brilliant. Oh, praise the Lord. And then in true Stephen fashion, you've had about 15 jobs by then, like oh, starting up businesses, know, selling everything under the sun. Like, <laughs> Well, that leads into another thing, as you know. Um, and uh, during... Uh, those first years while I was in Northern Ireland I joined the TA mm-hmm. right, so the Territorial Army joined the RAMC Royal Army Medical Corps and enjoyed it um, it signed up as a combat medical technician mm-hmm. uh, first responder type person um, but when I was doing the theological studies and getting promotions and work it was like I don't have time for everything here what goes so as I left the TA um, my captain said you should come back as a padre I was like ah, it sounds like a good idea actually but you know so what's a padre because I certainly didn't know army, that a chaplain in the army so basically like a minister in the army yeah, uh, yeah a multi kind of talented guy that does well, a bit of welfare yeah it definitely shouldn't be me but <laughs> when I say multi-talented guy with a few different roles a uh, wee bit of preaching not so much um, really working in community amongst mm-hmm. the guys building relationships and being there for them when but you get I mean, talking over this last couple of days, it kind of encapsulates a lot of the person the Lord's made you. Yeah. Like the whole fitness side of it yeah. and like all that, but also just the people side of it, get alongside people and that kind of real passion you've got yeah. to make Jesus known. Like it yeah. seems like... And the fitness side. Yeah. I mean, you get paid to run about with the guys as well. So it's got everything that I love under the one umbrella. But yeah. um, having taken the time off at Ards, well, I've, I've uh, 
spent two years kind of in the application process for this. So I had to join another organisation, the church, that um, ordained me, if Baptists want to call it, that's a scary word for Baptists, <laughs> um, is not uh, part of what's called the United Board, the Army Sending Organisation. So I had to join an organisation that is part of it and serve two years with them before I could be considered. So I'm in the application process now. The one big potential stumbling block is the fact I took time off work at ARDS. And so whether that goes through or not will probably hinge on that, although there are other interviews and other things that you need to jump through as well. Um, but yeah, I'm in the process of looking at that. But I, ultimately, I just want to uh, be in a role serving God where I'm reaching people. Um, and specifically people who don't go to church, or, yeah. you know, who aren't Christians. Um, and that's why I'm praying that this whole army thing falls flat in its face and you <laughs> end up back in the West of Scotland with us. So. Oh dear. If yeah. anybody knows anybody in the army that can stop that process, then... <laughs> God's will be done. God's will be done. <laughs> um, that's awesome. That's this right up to date then. So totally, yeah. waiting for the next stage of that. Waiting. Um, Aye, so as yeah. I say, God's will be done, but yeah... Um, and, and thank you, if I'm honest, and the, the guys from your church are there mm. uh, for the encouragement of your church, man. Uh, you know, we went for a wee church yeah, weekend yeah, with yeah. you guys a while back, and uh, what a bunch of guys, like, superb. So uh, thanks for putting up with Pete. <laughs> Pete Bell, that's really harsh. Ah. When he's hard <laughs> Definitely yeah. sure. Well, Steve, we really appreciate you. We really appreciate you thank sharing you. and taking time of our holiday. Um, to share. So I think good. our wives are probably sleeping in the next room because it's <laughs> after 9 o'clock at night, so uh, we'll just been up. Um, chat away but that's good um, again really thankful for you thankful mm. for how the Lord's worked in your life and again it's oh, our yeah. prayer that there's many other folk kicking about Glasgow now that might feel like they have got no hope and heading mm. nowhere yeah. uh, and we really are praying that the Lord would kind of wrestle them back and bring them in bring them too. so um, yeah thank you for you man thank you bro and that's us cheers bro thank you for listening to the My Hope Story podcast to find out how you can have your own hope story go to www.myhopestory.co.uk